Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning, Renaissance. I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. Highly caffeinated like some of you in the room, maybe. No one? Okay. Maybe I'm the only one. Uh, Unfortunately, this week, I don't happen to have a preacher rag like Joe Alville does each time that he comes up here. But don't worry, it will be just as exciting because I'm hyped up on caffeine. And so you never know what's going to happen with that. Uh, But if we haven't met before, my name is Chris, and I am one of the many leaders here at Renaissance. A a couple weeks ago, one of the things that I had an opportunity to do uh, was go on vacation. Now, I know some of us in the room were like, okay, vacation, it's really not that big of a deal. But whenever we go through a year like 2020 and we're just like stuck at home and we can't go anywhere, then it's one of those moments that you just truly embrace a lot more of because you're like, man, I'm never going to take vacation for granted again because I know how much I need it. And so one of the things that me and my family do from time to time is we go down to Florida and we spend a little bit of time in this wonderful place called Disney. Now, I know some of you in the room, you're like, oh, wow, that's cool and everything like that. And some of you are probably trying to figure out what is that. I know that there's movies and everything like that. But there's this theme park down in Florida uh, called Disney World. And so we had gone down there for a little period of time. And I'm one of those people who enjoys riding roller coasters and all kinds of rides that have the drops and the turns and the flips and everything like that. And some of you in the room are sitting there thinking, I'm never going to go on one of those death traps. Um, But it's okay. I will enjoy that time as much as I can for you. So when we had gone down there, we rode this ride called Pirates of the Caribbean, which is uh, actually what the movies that you see are based off of. And so I was riding the ride with Tori, and we were going on this ride. She's never ridden on roller coaster. Well, no, she has, but she doesn't enjoy them whatsoever. And... um, So on this ride, there happens to be a drop. Now me being the nice person that I am, did not tell her that there was going to be a drop on this ride, just because I'm like, "Eh, we'll see how this goes. So anyhow, uh, we're getting closer and closer to the point where this drop is going to take place, and I look over at her and I'm like, guess what? I'm like, there's going to be a drop. And it was like three to five seconds before the drop actually took place. So there was not enough time to like turn over and punch me in my face or anything like that, thankfully. But the reason I told her that there was going to be a drop taking place on this ride was not to scare her, but to make her aware of something that was about to take place. And she listened to me. She didn't freak out, but she listened to me because she trusted me. I told her that just because I wanted her to be aware so she could be able to expect what was to come. Now, you might be sitting there trying to figure out, okay, what, is, what does that have to do with anything? 
Well, something that we've been doing over these past couple weeks, um, for those of you who are just trying to figure out what we do each and every week, we've been going through the book of 1 John and unpacking it week by week and seeing what exactly John is trying to tell us. And what we've uncovered is that John is trying to warn the church at this time because there is a problem in the church. And John has this voice. And something that I want you to um, know about voices before we look at what John says, is that voices, they have the power to connect people's stories. Voices, they have a way of being able to bring hope to people. They have a way of bringing understanding for people. They have a way of bringing direction for people. And John's voice is something that is very vital here for the church. And one of the questions I want us to consider as we we go through this passage is, are we listening to the right voice? Are we listening to the right voice? John is someone who is speaking from a spiritual grandfather's perspective. We all know that grandfathers, they have a legacy that they try to pass down to their family. They try to pass on their experience, their wisdom, their knowledge. John is he's writing from a standpoint that is very unique because he's very knowledgeable. He's, he's, he's very respected. He's the last standing apostle that spent time with Jesus. So he had the firsthand account of knowing what life was like with Jesus. And he's trying to address this specific problem that we see here in 1 John, which is heresy. So for those of you in the room who are trying to figure out, okay, what is that word heresy? It's ultimately this. Heresy is an opinion contrary to faith. For instance... It's that time of year where everyone is like, yay, pumpkin spice everything. If you can't tell by my face what my opinion is, that's an opinion contrary to what some other people in the room might feel. Okay? So heresy, an opinion that is contrary to faith. So John, he has insight of what life is like with Jesus. He lived with him. He walked with him. He talked with him. He saw Jesus do all kinds of extraordinary things from miraculously healing people and doing just everything. And what he's trying to do here, what we've seen so far, and even in some of these other books that we find in the New Testament, of telling the story of Jesus in a way that people are going to see it and experience it in a way like never before. So John has insight and he's trying to warn the church. There are false teachers running rampant throughout the church. People who are denying what Jesus did and he's warning them to make them aware. He's warning them to help refocus them Because he has the experience, he's like, I want you to experience what I experienced. And so today we're going to find ourselves in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 through 27. The words are going to be up on the screen. Um, So I'm going to read through it real quick, and then I'm going to take a moment to pray for us, because I believe that God is wanting to speak uh, to us today. I believe that God is wanting to speak to us in a way that is really going to 
uncover a lot of things for us so that we have more clarity and so we have a lot more understanding of what it is that we can do to show others the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus. So let's pick up in verse 18. Here's what it says. It says, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come, therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you, If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Let's pray. God, I pray that you speak to us this morning. Help us to hear what it is that you want us to hear. It's in your name that we pray. Everyone said, amen. Now, I know some of us in the room, whenever we were going through this passage, there were a couple words that stuck out to us, maybe a couple words that made us a little uncomfortable. Um, In that first verse, verse 18, there's a couple words or phrases that I want us to look at real quick that I think will help us be able to unpack what we're going through this morning. And so I'm going to read verse 18 for us again because there's three things I want us to look at real quick. It says, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour hour. So that first word that John uses here, children, he's not using this word in some kind of way that is demeaning to the people. He's saying this from the perspective of a spiritual grandfather who's trying to impart wisdom on the church at this time. He's saying children because he cares for them. He wants to see them grow. He wants to see them mature. He says, children, it is the last hour. The last hour is not destruction, but recreation that comes through Jesus. He wants them to grow. He wants them to know what life is like with Jesus. And here's the word that I know some of us in the room probably got on the edge of our seat trying to be like, oh, this is going to be a fun one today. Antichrist. Some of you might even be like, oh, I know a couple of those. You might be able to point out a few people. 
You might be able to be like, okay, who's Chris going to say? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> because I think what we need to do, because it's easy for us to be like, oh, that person's an antichrist, that person's an antichrist, that person's an antichrist. Let's look at what that word means. Antichrist. Okay, let's unpack the easy one real quick. Christ, that's Jesus. He, he died on the cross for us. He took upon the weight of our sin so that we could have life, so that we could have freedom. Okay, <laughs> figured that one out. Anti. Okay. What does it mean to be anti-something? Anti means to oppose. It means to be against. It means to replace. So if we look at it from this perspective, instead of saying anti-Christ, what, is it, what does it look like if we say to oppose Christ, to be against Christ, to replace Christ? That hits a lot different compared to us just saying anti-Christ. Pastor Tony Evans, one of the pastors that I like to listen to just because of the way that he studies the Bible, he gives um, this definition of what Antichrist is. He says that the Antichrist is anyone who opposes or replaces with the goal of distracting and derailing Christians from pursuing Jesus. Distracting and derailing Christians from pursuing Jesus. Hmm. John goes from this place of addressing the church, saying children. Because he's wanting them to know something. He's wanting them to know this warning of these false teachers running throughout the church. Verse 19 says that they went out from us. Okay. They went out from us. Why did they go out from the church? Why did they go out from the church? He, he's, he's saying that there have been some that have departed from the church, but you're still here. And he's wanting them to draw close to being able to embrace what this warning actually means. He says, you have been anointed by the Holy One. John's writing to them not to tear them apart. He's not writing to them saying, oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. He's writing to them, trying to make them understand. You already know, but it's a matter of if you're actually going to do what you know. He's calling them to go back to the basics. He's calling them to look in the mirror, which is often one of those things that is hard for any of us to be able to do. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I wake up in the morning and I go to my bathroom and I look at myself in the mirror, my hair looks awful. Maybe I'm the only one in the room. But sometimes when we look in the mirror, we're going to see things that we don't like, but it's a matter of if we're actually going to do something about it. So John tells them, there's people who are leaving. Why did they leave? In verse 22, it says that they denied the faith. Who is the liar but he who denies the faith that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He's telling them that false teachers are running rampant throughout the church and he's trying to control this crisis that is taking place. Because there's people who are trying to lessen the work of Jesus within their community. 
They denied the faith because they deceived the faithful, because they were embracing this false teaching that was not something that they were supposed to even be embracing. There's a handful of things that are already around us that are distracting us, that are derailing us from what Jesus is calling us to do. There are many things that are distracting us and derailing us from embracing the identity that we were created with, that we were created for. John is reminding them to love. He's reminding them of God's character. He's reminding them that we have a need to be able to abide in Jesus and not in the things of this world. John had this firsthand account of, of being able to live life with Jesus, but some people were just like, eh. You don't want that. John's message, I, I think, can be framed in this question. Are the voids that we're filling our life with, are these voids filled with Jesus, or are they filled with something else? Are they filled with Jesus, or are they filled with something else? I think most of us would probably agree that it's easy to look at other people and being able to pick apart their failures, their imperfections, their sin, their history. And we would probably say it's a lot harder to actually look in the mirror at certain things about ourselves that are not true about us. We hold weight over ourselves that doesn't need to be held over our heads by any means. But it's easy to talk about others and not so much talk about ourselves. There's this old Disney classic movie um, called Snow White. And there's this character known as the Evil Queen. One of the books that I read on vacation actually mentioned uh, her within the book. And they gave her the title instead of the Evil Queen, the Misguided Majesty. <laughs> I'm like, how fitting. So in that story, what happens is the evil queen, she goes to a mirror and she says, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest one of all? And she's looking into a mirror just to see what she wants. What she wants, not necessarily what she needs. And even more so, she's looking in a mirror and not even seeing a reflection of her. Are we listening for the right voice? Or are we only listening to the voice that we want to hear? Because it's hard to look in the mirror. Some days are more so harder than others. Christian author and speaker Lisa Turkhurst said this. She said, whatever attitude we bring into a situation will be multiplied. So what voice are we listening to? Because the voice that we are listening to is spilling out into our life. It's overflowing, it's pouring out on other people. And so instead of trying to use a microscope and looking at other people and picking other people apart, what would it look like if we began to look at ourselves more in depth in the mirror? being able to see ourselves the way that God created us, 
three, three questions I want us to think about. Am I living in community? Am I loving others and loving myself like Jesus would? Am I leading others well? Those three questions, I think, those three questions, I think, will be able to help us be that the church that we need to be. Because the church that we want to see is the church that we have to be. And that starts with us being able to embrace the identity that Christ made us with. And so we are at this moment in time where we have to choose, are we going to allow distractions to derail us? Or are we going to be intentional about taking direction for our life so we are able to be a reflection of Jesus in our world? So the people that were departing the fellowship, the people that were departing the church, they were either opposing Jesus, they were either against Jesus, or they were putting self in place of Jesus. Distractions. We all can probably think of 50 million distractions, whether it be social media, whether it be the news, whether it be gossip, whether it be um, highlight reels that we might end up seeing on other people's social media accounts. Loneliness, social anxiety, perfectionism, destructive criticism. Looking at ourselves through the wrong mirror, ultimately. Whenever I had gone on vacation um, a couple weeks ago, before I actually left, um, I actually had a conversation with Joe, and we were just talking about some things, because one of the things I have a tendency of doing is just going from one thing to the next to the next, and just running around like a chicken with my head cut off, to be frank. And I told Joe, I'm like, I feel like I need to reset myself in some ways, not because, like, ultimately because I wanted to be able to be better for other people. I wanted to live well, I wanted to love well, and I wanted to lead well. But in order for me to actually do all of that, I had to begin to practice it. And so Joe and I were just going back and forth talking about a whole bunch of things that, that I might be able to do in order to reset my rhythm for rest. Because that's hard. So when I went on vacation, one of the things that I did was completely disconnect myself from my phone from social media to email to everything that was not important, I deleted from my phone. So the only way that you were going to be able to get hold of me is if you had my phone number. And even then, I'm just like, eh, I'm getting used to this a little too much now. <laughs> but midway through vacation, one of the things that begins to pop up on my phone whenever I glanced at it was that the screen time for that week was 25% down from the week prior. And so me being someone who can be very analytical at times and being able to break things apart and being like, ooh, I'm kind of intrigued by this, it led me down a little bit of a rabbit trail to be able to unpack this and be like, why exactly is my screen time down 25%? 
And so, on your phones, I don't know if you know this or not, but if you go to a certain part, I'm just speaking for Apple people in the room, I don't know about you Android people, I'll pray for you tonight, so hopefully you'll have Apple. Um, kidding, kidding. But I'm sure Android has this capability too. But I looked on my phone at the screen time and it shows what percentage of time is being used for, say, social media, what percentage is being used for, uh, we'll just say YouTube, um, what percentage is being used for baseball. Okay. So I thought about it a little bit more and I'm like, okay, that's what's on my phone. That's the percentage that my time is being used for. So what is it actually when I'm not on my phone? What am I doing through each and every day to be able to make sure I'm using my time well, I'm being intentional with my time. So I began to make all kinds of limits and whatnot on my phone and being like, you're going to be able to use this app during this time from this point to this point, and ultimately uh, taking control of my phone so my phone is not controlling me. And so while I was on vacation in, in not being consumed by my phone. I'm reaching to my back pocket because that's where it's at. I felt so much more at peace because there were so many things that weren't distracting me. I felt like I was able to spend more time with Jesus because thing, I wasn't allowing things to distract me. I wasn't allowing things to derail me. I knew that the one thing that I had to do while I was on vacation was be intentional about my time, not just for me, but for my family as well. Because if I would have been consumed by my phone while I was on vacation, I might not have been able to spend as much time as I did reading the Bible and spending time with my family because my phone could have hindered me from that. If I would have allowed my phone to be a distraction and derail me, I wouldn't have been able to spend time with my niece and nephew while I was on vacation. Because I don't know about you, but when I go on vacation, I want to do things that I'm not necessarily doing when I'm at home. Or at least learn how to do it better while I'm on vacation, so when I go home, I'm going to be better. But I knew that in order for me to love well, in order for me to live well, in order for me to lead well, I had to begin looking at what I was feeding myself. Now, we won't talk about the food that I ate on vacation because that's a completely different story. <laughs> but in order for us to live well, for us to love well, and for us to lead well, we have to be, we have to be intentional about taking inventory on what voices we're allowing to impact us. So are we listening to the right voice? I think there's a story in the New Testament in 1 Samuel chapter three that I think will help us understand, are we listening to the right voice? To give you a little backstory about what we're about to read, there was this woman in the Bible named Hannah. Hannah was unable to bear children, and so she prayed, she prayed, and she prayed. She's like, God, give me a child. 
God, give me a child, and if you give me a child, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give him to you. That's a bold prayer. She's saying, I want to have this child, but I'm going to give him away to you when I have him. And so what happens is her son, Samuel, is born. And he's given to be under the care of a priest named Eli. And Eli, he had several sons who were wicked. He had several sons who had gone astray. And he was given Samuel to be under his care. So let's pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 4. And another thing real quick before we actually go into that. Um, during this time, people didn't have frequent visions from God. Israel during this time was quite chaotic. People were doing whatever they wanted to do. People were disobeying God. So ultimately, everything that could go wrong went wrong. Let's pick up in verse 4. It says, Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli. Eli is at a very old age, and he's, his vision is pretty much going out. So he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call lie down again. Some of you in the room who have kids, you're probably like, I can relate to this. I did not call lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a new thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Eli had lost his vision. Visions from God weren't something that happened frequent during this time. In order for Eli to recognize the voice, he had to remember what he knew. In order for Samuel to be able to hear the right voice, he had to be able to stop and listen. He had to be intentional Eli had told him, he's like, God is calling you. So here's what you need to do. He, he says, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. 
I don't know about you, but I know for me that can often be one of the things I do last when it should be the first thing that I do. Instead of trying to run around like a chicken with my head cut off, I should be like, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Instead of trying to do what is comfortable for me, instead of trying to do what I am trying to do to control the situation and make control and comfort be the two big things on my um, agenda instead of actually calling out to God and listening for him, Samuel had to stop. He had to stop what he was doing in order to listen. So we go on in verse 18 to see what happens next. After Samuel had shared a vision with Eli that he was afraid to share. In verse 18 it says, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground, and all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet. The word spread. The message spread. All because Samuel stopped to listen. God wanted to do a new thing for Samuel God wanted to do a new thing for John and through John, just like how God is wanting to do a new thing through you. But for that to happen, we have to listen to him. Because we can easily focus on how this message is warning the church about false teachers that are running rampant. But at the same time, is that us? Are we deceiving other people because we've denied the faith? Instead of departing, we're going to remain close to him. Instead of denying the faith, we're going to find our rest in him. Instead of deceiving the faithful, we are going to respond as an example for others. So my question for you is, what mirror are you looking at yourself through? Instead of anxiety, instead of fear, instead of loneliness, instead of depression, See yourself as fearfully and wonderfully made. See yourself as someone who is loved. See yourself as someone who was created with a purpose. See yourself as a masterpiece. See yourself as someone who has been created to do good work. We need to start looking at ourselves through a different mirror because there's distractions that are going to try and derail us from being with Jesus. We need to look at ourselves in the mirror and avoid distractions because the voice that you have will either deceive or direct others. It's your choice on whether you deceive or whether you direct. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 2 real quick, to verse 26. Actually, verse 25, it says, this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Eternal life. He goes on to 
I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. John's message is one that is coming from a spiritual grandfather to a church, trying to leave this legacy behind of the experiences that he's had with Jesus. So his message is you are aware. You are aware to live differently. You are aware to live differently. Because at some point in time, you are going to be leaving a legacy behind. I'm reminded of, I'll finish with this. I'm reminded of words that my grandfather shared several years ago when our grandma was in the hospital. And he said that every day is a blessing. Every day is a blessing. And I would even go so much to add on a few more words to what he said. Every day is a blessing for us to be a blessing. It's a matter of how we're going to use that blessing that we've been given. Because there are people who need to know about the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. And they're not going to be able to hear it unless we begin to look in the mirror and love ourselves well. Because we need to live well so that we can lead well. And it starts with what we're feeding ourselves. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time that we've had just to be able to gather together here God, I pray that you have spoken to us today. I pray that we have heard your voice clearly. I pray that over these next few moments that we have together here, as as we sing your praises together, God, I pray that you help us to hear your voice louder than before. God, we thank you for all the things that you've done and all the things that you continue to do, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you. 